Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Did you miss me? Yeah. While I was away, did you hang my picture on your wall? Did you kiss me? Yeah. Every single day, although you couldn't kiss me at all. And did you love me? Like a good little girl. Did you tell that naughty boy not to call? Did you love me? Yeah, in your little world. Although you couldn't see me at all. Although you couldn't see me at all. I'm Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous, episode 124. I've been away, and what better way to reintroduce myself with a modern one for all you pop pickers. Well now, it's been a while, my fine feathered friends, but I am glad to be back in the dungeon and here I am talking to you all once again. It's been a while, as I said, I felt acute separation anxiety from you all, of course, released from the Agitators Anonymous tractor beam for a few weeks to try and reboot and recharge. Did it work? Well, No, in so many words, but all I can say is trying to find some peace in Istanbul, formerly known as Constantinople, did you not know? Ain't going to work for any single human monkey on the planet. It's an insane ride. Thoroughly recommended, and the people are goddamn lovely, all round, friendly and deeply respectful. Um, But if you're going to try and uh, get some peace there, it ain't the city to go. Uh, my observations, well, what can I say about Istanbul? Um, I stood in the Hagia Sophia Mosque and looked around with awe and wonder. And I also saw uh, a prostitute transvestite at four in the morning pull her pants down in the middle of an argument, in the middle of the street, in the middle of 4 a.m. traffic and slap a man on the face. That, my friends, is Istanbul in a nutshell. Also, if you're planning on losing weight, which... Let's be honest, I was. The middle-aged spread. I can recommend a hearty seven-day salmonella food poisoning plan directly 
after visiting Istanbul with a healthy side dish of E. coli. Could be, could mut. You will come out feeling and looking slim and svelte. I can say that without a doubt. Gets me in shape for the primordial gig in Dublin on the 17th of September, which is apparently sold out now. It only took three goddamn years. Perfect timing then to go on the poison diet. You can hear my voice is a little bit um, little bit lower, a little bit more Barry White this morning. Um, another modern cultural reference to go with your Gary Glitter reference. Um, and that's because we've been rehearsing with Primordial, uh, rehearsing some old songs, some curios, some things we haven't played in a while to try and spice the setup. It's one of those things that happens when you become, um, you know, older. You Back in the day, let's say, when you're a teenager and you're 20-something, you get in the rehearsal room every week like clockwork. Um, you're young, you're dumb, you're full of... Anyway, you get the point. And... As you get older, of course, life changes. You get a different set of responsibilities. Everybody lives further away, either in a different county. Sometimes bands live in different countries. I can attest to that with Dread Sovereign. All those kind of things. And getting together in that little room becomes harder and harder. And for a band like Primordial, who has so many songs, and they're kind of long, etc., etc., changing the set becomes harder than you can imagine. Even though, in theory, you should be able to play those songs in your sleep. Sometimes they're from a dream you haven't had in 18 years or something. Um, For example, yesterday singing the song Song of the Tomb, which is a sort of, um, I guess, a deep cut from Gathering Wilderness. Um, You come to the last, I came to the last verse and I couldn't even remember how, how did I sing this? Um, And we had to play, you know, the phone up to the microphone and go, go, okay, it goes like that. And then somebody goes, well, hang on, why did we do that five times? You have no idea. Really? Do you play the riff five times? It's probably a mistake. And sometimes there are off-the-cuff hey's and yes and blah, 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 you know, kind of little sort of things, ad-libs, we'll call them, that you've thrown in um, that you did at the time off-the-cuff that are now, uh, let's say, you know, they're ports in the storm of the song they're little markers for everyone else to know that the change is coming now if you know me at all you'll know my attention to detail and my patience is not um, it's not particularly great it's not one of my virtues let's just say that and um, I forget these ad-libs especially after writing a song 17 years ago however I digress I digress so I just thought that this episode Uh, should be a little ramble across a few different things happening in the world, observations and some head-scratchers on the state of the world. Um, Like I said, remember, this ain't the Primordial podcast. It's the Alan Averill podcast. The ideas and bullshit expressed herein by the human man-child known as, well, myself, Alan Averill, are different to the other crisis actors employed as Primordial, um, who are working for less than minimum wage, it must be said, so I want to try and get to, at the end of this podcast, I'm a little anecdote about the worst gig I ever played. But I have a few other things to go comment on. In fact, a lot's been happening in the world. You know what it's like when you're on vacation. You try and um, unplug from the news cycle or whatever sort of cycle it is, whatever little hamster wheel you've been running around on for a while. And there's an awful lot of things you end up just missing. Um, and that can be a thoroughly good thing because the sort of atomized nature of the modern news cycle means that 
And this is one thing that uh, I've said before on the podcast is that our um, once upon a time we had a u I won't going to call it universal, but we had a socially agreed um, contract on what was the news. You know, people sat around at the news at 9 p.m. And of course, I'm not going to suggest that the news was always impartial back then. But if you think about something like, let's say, the famine in Ethiopia in 1986, this was the famous um, news report on BBC that literally um, brought an entire nation, um, you know, kind of like literally to its knees with sadness. And um, it's the very, very famous report of the famine. And this was the news story of that evening. It galvanized, of course, Live Aid, um, huge um, relief operations, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, my own father, who worked for the Irish transport company, went over to help um, uh, Ethiopians, the, I suppose the Ethiopian equivalent, and fix their trucks and fix their, teach people how to fix engines to move food around. It so galvanized society. And it was a one, um, it was a sort of pivotal, it just came to the top of my head there. It was a pivotal news moment that we all agreed on. Now there's no such thing as that. Everything is so completely atomized. Everyone has taken in their own news. Everyone is, um, there's very few things that we sort of all agree on. And I just have this feeling that in 1986, that news report was not a partisan news report. It wasn't tribal. It wasn't um it wasn't editorialized in the same way that I feel that mainstream media is now, is that there always seems to be an agenda. Now, I admit that part of that is my own subconscious bias coming to the fore, but I can't help but feel that the um, the role of modern media journalism in the mainstream at least has changed from 30, 40 years ago. I would say that your average journalist back in the day was more of a um, blue-collar worker shall we say. Have I got the colours of the collars right? Let's say working class people who are outside the tent who wanted to piss in. The point, the purpose of journalism was to hold power to account. I was listening to James O'Keefe from Project Veritas talking about the very same thing. Now you may agree or disagree with his methods, but that um, was the kind of purpose of what they were doing, which was holding power to account. And now we have a whole generation of modern journalists who seem to be defending power. They seem to be doing the work of uh, big tech, of government and big business. In fact, um, they seem to be willing to report on the public for dissenting from the, um, you know, this mainstream media narrative or from the state narrative, which is incredible. It suggests to me that an entire generation of younger journalists wish to be inside the tent pissing out. I don't know if that has something to do with modern uh, celebrity culture, a form of that. Um, you know, becoming some kind of mind virus in that, um, you know, you want your story rather than to have truth, to have clicks. Anyway, what am I talking about? What am I talking about? Am I going to get to that story about the worst gig I ever played? Who knows? Who knows, my friends? It's been a while since I've been sitting here in the big chair. Um, there's a Tears for Fears reference for you, I think. Is it not? Who knows? Um, it's been a while since I've been sitting in the chair. Uh, my brain is a bit fried, as I said. It's probably been poisoned. But... However, let's do a bit of housekeeping first. As I said, Primordial on September the 17th officially sold out. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking of um, selling um, floor space on my uh, in my apartment to people who <laughs> don't want to pay 300 euro for a hotel room in Dublin. Why are hotels so goddamn expensive, you say? Well, there's many reasons. And one of those reasons is that the same weekend that Primordial is playing, Garth Brooks is also playing. Did you know that? Per rat or per head of capita, Garth Brooks has sold more records in Ireland than any other country in the world. 
So has Bad Out of Hell, apparently. There you go. Tells you a lot you need to know about um, the Irish musical taste. Garth Brooks, I think, is doing five nights at 80,000 people a night. Work that out. That means that just about seven or eight percent of the population, in theory, is going to see Garth Brooks. Um, And there was nearly a riot when he cancelled before because of um, COVID measures. Nearly a riot. In fact, I I thought... I thought to myself, there might be more civil unrest because of a cancelled Garth Brooks gig than um, the government implementing lockdown uh, measures upon the public. Yep, work that one out. I don't know. It's a head scratcher. But certainly if you're if certainly if I suppose Ireland was going to attempt some form of um, military coup or at least, let's say, angry people from um, the Midlands with various farm implements as weapons, I think that Garth Brooks himself could lead that revolution. Um, what would we call it? I don't know. Some kind of... Um, what could we call it? Um, the lack of irony revolution. I don't know. Anyway, so there you go. Um, our application to support Garth, of course, was turned down. So they put us in some small venue um, almost as punishment. Anyway, what am I talking about? So I'm standing. I'm standing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, if you can follow me on Nemthianga underscore... Primordial on Instagram, Primordial underscore official for um, the various misadventures of um, the band and myself. And you can go to patreon.com slash Alan Averill to support the show, um, to support my lavish lifestyle, to keep me in um, Ferrero Rocher and Prosecco, um, to the manner to which I am accustomed, to the manner born. Um, You can go over there. There's all sorts of rehearsals, other podcasts, various conversations about this, that and the other. The show itself continues to be sponsored by MetalBlade.com in North America and Canada, uh, which Primordial is also coming back to Canada. It must be for the first time in over 10 years, but I'll get to that on another podcast. Um, MetalBlade.com, use the promo code ALAN in North America and Canada, and you can get 10% off your order. You know that you need it. Take a look underneath the podcast for some Metal Blade podcasts, Metal Blade playlists I made on Spotify. Right, I'm beginning to lose my train of conscience here. I must need more coffee. That's what my post-food poisoning dehydrated brain needs is more caffeine. Anyway, so I'm standing in Belgrade Airport, um, Nikolai Tesla Airport. Um, doesn't he look smug in some of those photos, Nikolai Tesla? Kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know what I've been inventing. Um, Anyway, I'm standing in Belgrade Airport looking at a partisan Belgrade football shirt. I collect football shirts in case you did not know. Um, I have about 30, maybe 40. Now you know what to give me for a surprise gift. And the shirt sponsor is Gazprom. Now, you know that, uh, you know, that Russian energy company who had half of Europe's politicians uh, in their payroll over the last decade or two. Um, Retirement, it's a been the retirement home of the likes of Gerhard Schroeder, former German minister, and many others. Pesky old Putin, you may have heard of him, is threatening to turn the screw over the winter. Stopped the pipeline a while ago because of some kind of accident, don't you know? Did we believe that? Did we not? Who knows? Just doing a little flexing for you, the pr- European proletariat. Um, and this has just raised a few questions uh, within my uh, morning red eye tired brain as I stood there staring at the partisan Belgrade shirt. Uh, 150 euro it was in the airport. A um, little bit too rich for my tastes. But our papers here in Ireland have started to prep or scaremonger 
or, you know, push for clicks with stories about blackouts this winter. Blackouts in Europe, um, something not seen since the war, uh, second one, that is. Um, yep, that's true. Here in the privileged, or so we are told, West, the richest continent in the world. Well, I mean, I mean, in ways, realistically, the Middle East is probably richer, I would say. Um, I mean, you know, theoretically, mainly because we robbed a few things here and there along the along the years. But sure, look at who didn't do that. But after two and a half years of lockdown and the pandemic straight into um, another crisis, i.e. the war and now the energy crisis with the climate debate sort of tagged on to the crisis like a weight to sink it to the bottom of any rational debate. Um, it seems almost impossible to have a non-partisan, non-tribal conversation about these things because all these things have been cleverly interwoven and interlinked, I would say, by the political class to obfuscate any rational argument that you want to have. Um, because I've had sort of tried to have debates about this with people and suggest that maybe there's more to the energy crisis than uh, our old friend Putin. Um, and people are almost, it seems by now, as I said before, any questioning of the narrative uh, means you almost certainly will be called a Nazi by someone. This word doesn't have much meaning anymore. It seems to simply mean someone who disagrees with me. I think people need to la maybe learn a little bit of history and look up what it should mean. But is this because our political class have so spectacularly mismanaged this or have they? Or is it some... You know, is it some sort of part of a broader plan, Agenda 2030 and all that kind of thing? Um, again, you know, which, as you've heard it, me say it on the podcast so many times, I think the truth is within that grey area. But how have our political class so spectacularly mismanaged this that in the winter of 22, we're talking about rolling blackouts, brown blackouts, where they just turn the electricity off on areas for a couple of hours Um you know, how have they so spectacularly mismanaged this? They're talking about 30, 40% increases on energy bills. And this isn't very heavy metal, Mr. Averill. Come on, talk about some heavy metal on your worst gig. Yeah, 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 I know it. Um, let's just examine a few things. Firstly, by all accounts, talking to my friends in Ukraine, um, and please DM me with your information. Tell me if I'm wrong or right. I'm totally open to, um, you know, posting or at least... Uh, talking about all of these things within the podcast, but at least on the, let's say, the Western side, from the kind of middle to the West, things are slowly, and I will say this with the greatest respect, returning to some kind of, I'm not going to use the word normality, but somewhere. They're returning to some point where people are reclaiming some small part of their lives they had previous to the invasion. Even football is returning. I know I come back to that um, often. Uh, as a reference point that other people don't seem to really like or get. But comedy and music, slowly but surely, these things are being um, are sprouting up from the ground again. Um, and if you are there, like I said, listening and you've got it wrong and I've got it wrong, tell me. Or you're in the Donbass region or Donetsk or in the um, east where I think there's more fighting and resistance and all that. But like I said, um, I have friends in both places. and um, But certainly the West, certainly in the West, the generals are now no longer on TV telling us about the latest manoeuvres. Um, no more ordnance maps of conflict or drone footage of bombed out villages. You, you've noticed it's just moved out of the media cycle. But didn't the US just confirm some, I think it was $400 billion bipartisan arms package for the Ukraine to continue the fighting? Didn't they just do that? They certainly 
don't want the Ukraine to get back on their feet, surely not. I think the intention was for this to be a proxy war like Afghanistan that went on for 10 or 20 years that they could all just sell arms um, to and pour money, uh, you know, well, make money um, and pour arms into this black pit. And Ukrainians were, the um, sadly, it looked like being the sacrifice, you know, placed on the sacrificial altar of the um, ammunitions um, tech, of the deep state ammunitions tech. Um, but they don't want Ukraine, surely, to get back on their feet. So the energy crisis, the energy crisis, well, it's the war in Ukraine, it's the war in this, it's the war in that. I mean, is it is that to blame for every single thing in your life um, going up by percentages in increased um, financial amounts? Anyone reading beyond the headlines can see that this cannot all be connected to the war, right? And like I said, everything, literally every single thing in your life has increased in price, right? Is it all down to Putin? Yet with a little digging, we can see the energy and oil companies and gas companies um, are making huge profits from the crisis, just holding back oil and gas, charging what they want for it. Does this remind you of anything? Or how society was, in my opinion, held to hostage by big pharma during the pandemic? Um, and you probably followed that story recently where um, some big pharma companies have decided that, um, you know, kids need an, another booster, which they say they have tested on nine mice. Now, that sounds to me like an Onion uh, article. Again, another reference that you, from 10 or 20 years ago. It sounds like a spoof article. It sounds like something that would have been on, I don't know, Saturday Night Live 15 years ago. Um, tested on nine mice. Why not 10? Now we only have nine, etc., etc. That there hasn't been tested on humans and yeah kind of i'll push it through profit uberales follow the money show me the money it sounds kind of like the same thing to me um you may disagree that's your prerogative blackouts i really had a blackout um great album by the scorpions that one actually really really great did you know that blackout originally i think in the demo um the demo version of blackout by the scorpions was sang by don dockin so somewhere there is a don dockinized version of Scorpion's Blackout. If anybody has it, I would like to hear it. I still think they kept him in some... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The courses was because Klaus Mein had some serious throat problems after some huge tour and couldn't sing when they were demoing the album, I think somewhere in LA and Don Dokken came down to do it. Hmm, there you go. Anyway, blackouts. Um, someone sent me a screen grab of what appears to be Ursula von der Leyen. Ursula von der Leyen openly discussing periods of energy lockdown. Can this be true? Certainly on the front of our papers in Ireland, um, it seems it's what seems to be um, we've been prepped for it. They're talking about, uh, like I said, brown and black, brown blackouts and general blackouts brown i think are just random ones they um they don't tell areas and they just black them out for two or three hours and the papers have been um full of these like i said um if this is on the cards all you people who came up to give me the uh, the finger wag because i was at a festival now having a beer may need a rethink now i mean i think you need a rethink anyway but if you don't think the current crisis we're in is not directly linked to shutting down the world's economy for over two years, printing trillions of dollars um, and disrupting food and supply chains, I'm not sure what to tell you. But sure, anyway, or it's just clickbait. It's just scaremongering. It's just the, you know, the last acts of dying print media trying to always pick um, the hook you in headline. But like I said before, Take a look at um, your papers. I don't know what they're what they're doing in um, what they're putting on the front page in your country that you're listening to this in. But in Ireland, they have been basically kind of laying the groundwork and prep for um, you know sort of like blackouts during peak times, which are what six to nine p.m. So you can of course think, well, we might as well shut the pubs then, and um, well, you know, you're not going to have music, and ah, you, you can't have that gig, and. Hmm, sound familiar? Anyway, of course, look, the podcast called Agitators Anonymous. Uh, I'm. These are the things I'm going to talk about. But like I said before, this Pandora's box has been um, opened on forms of lockdown as an answer to more or less anything. A form, I said, not complete, and it can take many forms. Even just pricing people out of traveling, pricing people out of their social norms, of the things they took for granted, of the freedoms they took for granted, I think is indeed a form of lockdown. You can disagree with that if you want. But these things um, being done deliberately, so they essentially have to stay, people have to stay put, is in my opinion, potentially a form of economic lockdown. And certainly having traveled over the last few weeks, I can say the airlines are a complete mess. They seem to have no staff. Every flight is delayed, lost luggage, direct flights costing 500 to 1,000 euro just within Europe in places. One, two, three connections. Um, oh, you want to go to Dublin? Well, you're going to have to go via Rhodes, via Madrid, via wherever. Often required to get anywhere. But didn't, get, but didn't the airlines get bailed out with your tax money over the pandemic, you ask? Well, it would seem so. Um, I've hinted before at a form 
of logic, which comes through in most extreme climate rhetoric, a kind of masochistic stay inside to save the world idealism. Some would say the meta future. But sure, why not leave, um, you know, the sort of green pastures of the outside world to the 1% to um, frolic and run through? You can just look at them through your A or Oculus Rift. What a great name. Glasses. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm being hyperbolic and over the top on purpose um, on poor boys. The clue is in the title of the podcast. If I was just going to come on and say, ah, you know, it'll probably be all right. It wouldn't make much of a podcast. But the papers today were discussing the possibility of peak time energy cuts. Um, So what does that mean? 6 to 8 p.m.? Like I said, break out the candles, just like it's 1946. If so, then sure, why not close the pubs, as I said? And the arts and music and events will be cut, of course, too much energy, not enough energy for that. Now, do I really think they will go for rolling blackouts and lockdowns again this winter? I sense not. Um, I sense what they're they're doing is they're laying out the worst possible scenario so we have to accept 20, 30, 40% of it and feel relieved. It's a a classic political move. Um, You know, um, prepare people for the worst and they will accept 10, 20, 30% of it uh, with a sense of relief. You know, you saw that with lockdown, for example. Um, However, although... As a few podcasts um, lately I've been listening to with people far cleverer than I have been saying, perhaps this is just the slow process of devolution, that this is the slow moving plates of a form of um, societal apocalypse beginning to buck up against each other. Wow. Wow. Hey, I look out the window and it looks all right. Yeah, true enough. I'm not really clever enough to tell you that. I think more than likely, though, is the cost of living and energy crisis will kind of stall at this level. The companies that are making money are going, oh, great, we have to, we can do less and make even more money, it would seem. Um, and there won't be any political will to challenge this. And regular people will just be priced out of having any kind of a life beyond merely surviving across the board. Certainly, if you've been following the podcast, you'll know the Great Reset plans were, of course, to make traveling for normal people such a complete expensive nightmare that it would put them off bothering in the long, the midterm, let's go. Who knows? Who knows? But the news is full um, of the following every day. Climate warnings, energy crisis warnings. It's not hard to see both being symbiotically linked in our minds to subordinate to new rules concerning both. And how this symbiosis fits the plans of the elite or political class in terms of new elements of social control. It's not hard to see those things um, being maneuvered into place because the um, lockdown and pandemic Uh, showed this class that they can more or less act with a sense of impunity, um, a sense of, um, you know, they can just do whatever they want because these are emergency times where they can just enact emergency laws and do not need to consult you. It's a slow deconstruction of the democratic process. Um, It's not by stealth. It is a slow, it's like a death of a thousand cuts and slowly but surely, don't call me surely, um, these things get removed. Think I'm mad? You know what? That's fair enough. I might be. But I think anyone can recognize that the energy crisis is being manipulated and we are not being told quite the full story. Did you miss me talking about political stuff? Did you miss my rambles about all those things in lockdown? Of course you did. Now, I know that after um, lockdown ended, I purposely Um, sort of moved the podcast in a bit of a different direction because I know that some people switched off when they hear these things. They don't want to hear about this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's why, for example, the last episode was, you know, the 10 most underrated Norwegian black metal releases, which people really liked. 
and I'm going to do some more of those kind of things. But there has to be a balance between um, the kind of heavy metal conversation and being able to discuss some society, some culture, some politics, all those kind of things. That's kind of the the raison d'etre of the podcast, to be able to flip between these things. Hey, hey, hey. This morning I was watching a video from four years ago where the despicable Trump was telling the EU to arm up as they were far too lax on their military spending. Ah, the T word. Mention him and you get called a supporter. Um, or mention him in any way that isn't, um, you know, negative, etc., etc. Look, I get it. I get it. I get it. A despicable man, a terrible man, a terrible human being, etc., etc., etc. It feels like we can't have discussions anymore in the rational, logical gray area without everyone going instantly ferally tribal about even the mention of the man. I ain't no fan. I've said it several times in the podcast, but you know, there he was from four years ago and who was laughing at him, Mrs. Merkel. In fact, all the people in the room seem to be laughing at him. Um, and now Germany just upped its military spending in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine. In fact, the whole sphere of the West's attitude towards the military has changed. Finland and Sweden joining NATO you know, who Trump also had choice words for. And he laid it out pretty clear. Germany was far too dependent on Russian energy. He literally got laughed out to the room, shrugged his shoulders, and they all went back on with their posturing and whatever else they were doing. But I wonder, was there any brown envelopes from Gazprom burying a few holes in the pockets of a few politicians that evening? And they thought, hmm, now probably not. Hey, even stop clocks are right twice a day, huh? And even Hitler liked dogs. What are you going to do? He was clearly right. And here we are. The extent of not only EU politicians, but especially German ones who were revealed to have ties, who were in bed with Russian energy companies over the last 20, 10, 20 years. Like I said, the aforementioned Gerhard Schroeder as an example. Do a little Google search on him if you wish. is now super clear. It seems they really don't care if your grandmother is to die of cold this winter. Just like they didn't care when she died in a care home during COVID. Yes, indeed, I went there. But it's true. And that's really been one of the battles of Agitators Anonymous. To get across one point above all. Um, well, many points. I mean, skepticism is the rational perspective. Um, to try and inhabit the grey area between both points of tribalism. To say that the truth is in the grey area. Um, the claim by myself of being politically homeless. So don't claim me for either side of your argument because... I ain't having it. Um, I'm sitting in the middle. Um, I, you know, the podcast stands for rationality in as much as I can be rational or try to be logical to hold the middle ground um, between these uh, partisan tribes screaming at each other. But one point above all, whether you are on the left or the right, and that is that the political class, the elite, whatever you wish to call them by whichever name um, you wish to call them, they don't care about you. They don't really care about your grandmother or whatever else. They never did. To open the door to skeptical and rational thinking. Of course, you can say, my, one of my best and my oldest friends says, he goes, look, Alan, if everyone believed what you did, the world would collapse. Seems to be kind of collapsing anyway. But as we need a little faith, need a little faith, but the idea that the institutions of state governance, technocracy, and now sadly mainstream media would seem have your interests at, at heart. This is a naive place to be, considering where the world may be heading. But hey, ignorance is bliss. Maybe you are better off. 
Maybe you are. Maybe you are. But my point remains that if you can open the door to a little skeptical thinking, um, it can go a long way to trying to understand these things. But the idea that these institutions have your best interests at heart, um, that they really want to cut hospital waiting lines, that really, um, you know, politics is little more than a kind of, what do they call, what do they call politics? Um, celebrity for the ugly. Is that what it is? Fame for the ugly. Hollywood for the ugly, etc., etc. Um, the idea that these politicians are doing anything but being caught up in a, an election cycle and saving their own skin. Um, just witness Labour MPs in the UK being asked what is a woman and watch them squirm because they're worried about the uh, Twitter backlash. They're worried about uh, losing their jobs. They're worried about an online mob coming for them. They're worried about all these things. They don't really, they're not really thinking about the question in any other depth than how can I get out of answering this? So just a kind of rather um, poor example of what I'm trying to say. But if you take a company like Pfizer, who previously, I think, were one of the most sued companies in the world for, um, you know, whose reputation was fairly deep down in the mud um, before the pandemic, as most uh, big pharma was. I mean, look, hey, who caused the opioid crisis, right? Which was the greatest single um, killer of humans in North America every year for the last decade or something like this, as I as I said before. Um, look it up. You can see that that's just about on the money. Um, you know, that's what they created. They incentivized um, doctors to, you know, dish out pills, mix that in with a health system in America where, um, you know, you know, where poor people have no access to health care and you create this situation. The idea that they, as I said, care about you. Anyway, that's been one of the points of Agitation Anonymous to try and get that across. Have I succeeded? Who knows? Who knows? Now, you know, this is a bit of a contentious issue, but some of you will notice that on the podcast, I don't really get into the gender thing. Um, I just kind of see it as a kind of mainly a lose-lose situation. But a lot of people have sent me this story about the Irish teacher who's been sent or was sent to prison for refusing to use a child's pronoun, preferred pronoun. And it would seem a lot of you want to comment on this. Now, I mean, look, I don't know if some of that is catfishing, People trying to get me to say something to get me into trouble. Um, but Or it's just because it's Ireland and, you know, I'm from Ireland. Um, I find the whole debate is at best avoided and not something I really wish to wade into. But really, you want the opinion of a singer in a heavy metal band and all this kind of thing? I mean, firstly, look, I just got to say, he didn't go to jail for refusing to use pronouns, but rather for contempt of court. Um, but the whole thing is clearly insane. And when the state brought in some of these laws a couple of years ago, they stated that they would not be used to send people to prison. And here we are. My thoughts. Well, let's say this. Um, and I'll take it from a very strange or well, it's not strange to me, but an odd sort of angle. Um, the, one of the first women who was hung at Salem was called Sarah Wildes Averill. You will see her death warrant on the inside of one of the Dread Sovereign albums. In fact, I wrote a song about her. Same surname as me in fact, comes from the same area of, of, uh, in the kind of north of England where my name uh, originally comes from. Well, within England, originally it's Norman. Um, but when the Salem witch trials started, it was part of a kind of a collective manic hysteria. And little was needed to send people to the gallows other than um, a confession by a bunch of, basically a bunch of kids, a bunch of young girls 
who claimed that they saw specters, they saw ghosts, they saw devils. Um, they were inhabited by spirits of people within the community who were accused of being witches. Um, you may read The Crucible, which is a sort of modern-day allegorical tale about the Salem witch trials and its collective hysteria. And these young girls would stand in court and claim, I see the ghost of Mary Pemberton above. Um, she has a diabolical cloud above her. And there is a devil, um, you know, on her shoulder, attempting to bring plague or famine to the community. Um, one of the young girls in the dock uh, produced the end, of a, the end of a knife saying, oh, she's sent, she has sent a devil across to try and pierce my side. And a man stood up in the court and said, you saw very well that the end of that knife broke off um, while I was working, while I was working my, I'm not sure what he was doing, but he was doing, of course, some sort of grim manual labor and the end of this knife broke off and this young girl took it and produced it in court to say that one of the women in the dock um, had sent it via a devil to pierce her side. Um, and many people got hanged um, before before the whole hysteria died out. Of course, when the young girls in the dock tried to accuse noblemen or the rich or the powerful or the influential, the, the judge and jury kind of went, you must be mistaken. You must be thinking of someone else, as in, okay, you're going a little bit too far. But anyway, back to accusing the, um, the proletariat of um, being, you know, in league with Satan, etc., etc., do some digging. In fact, I might do a podcast about the Salem witch trials. But I feel that there's some there's some form of allegorical tale to be taken into account. Of course, people aren't being hanged and all that kind of stuff. Take it as an allegory. But what we are doing is um, allowing the, um, the visions, the whims, the emotional states of children to dictate our law, um, at least in this case, in this instance. Um, and there are parallels to draw. Um, and at least from my opinion, there's a form of societal collective hysteria that's around it. And um, and as a society, we have been here before. I'm on the side of biology. I'm not on the side of how you feel about biology. I mean, or at least, um, you know, that you've decided that biology is subjective. I'm on the side of mathematics, not how you feel about it. Or if you want to say two plus two equals five, then I will say, I'm afraid it equals four. We have building blocks of our civilization that we have to agree on some of them. The fundamentals or it falls apart completely. Okay, maybe that's what you want, which is why you want to tear them down. Okay, well then we're going to have to disagree about that. But if you think maths is some crafty tool of old white patriarchy, do some digging. Most of our mathematical systems and understanding comes from the Middle East and not Europe. Your 60 second minute, your 60 second hour comes from the ancient Sumerians, which is what, 5000 BC? Yeah. Too much of what's wrong in our modern world is the narcissistic, selfish ideal of how we feelism. And I'm doing little rabbit ears there. And we have placed our emotional states and feelings at the center of the world. Um, just like, I suppose, when Galileo went to um, the religious elders and said, there were, you know, our planet is not the center of the world. Um, this world is not heliocentric. Um, we are revolving around something else. He was, of course, castigated for hundreds of years for that. And I think that these are, um, these are parallels to be drawn in what I think is a kind of collective religious hysteria. And if you stand up and say, I disagree, you are a heretic. Anyway.
we are not the center of the world and how we feel is not um, not a basis by which to enact rule of law. I don't know if that satisfies anyone or gets me into trouble. Um, I have a lot more things to say, but you know, wise man thinks all he says, fool says all he thinks. Childhood has become a battleground for activism. Um, and I think the same behavior we once found reproachable um, in the Catholic Church indoctrinating kids at a young age is the same behavior we should find reproachable now. Kids have to be kids, my friends. Which is ironic, seeing as I opened the podcast with a Gary Glitter lyric. Oh, it's all nonsense. All nonsense, my friends. Like I said, I'm the singer in a heavy metal band. Your hostess with the leastest. Don't take me that seriously. They're just ramblings of a dehydrated mind. Dehydrated. What a good song by Pestilence from Consuming Impulse. Well, my friends, that is episode 120, blah de blah of Agitators Anonymous. I never got to that story about the worst gig I ever played. I will do it next week. I have some great guests coming up. I'm going to talk to some more women. Um, ho, ho, says you. Going to talk to, try and talk to some people who disagree with me. Somebody quite rightfully um, commented that um, I seem to end up sitting on the couch with people in a very in a rather cozy situation that I agree with. Good point. Could it just be that everyone just naturally falls into place with my view of the world? I'll try and find some people I disagree with who are willing to come on and discuss. Who knows? Who knows? The offside rule. Is VAR any good for football? We know the answer is no. Agitators Anonymous, my friend, I'm Alan Averill. Stay safe out there in the world. Planet Satan over and out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.